Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Getting Humans podcast, hosted by me, Sean Rath, the Chief Experience Officer and co-founder at Humanity, the employee experience company. This podcast hopes and promises to be all things human within our organizations. So today, I had the privilege of interviewing three men who have collectively influenced probably more lives through their leadership than you and me would probably be able to imagine. Uh, so with over 100 years of experience between them and as headmasters of each of their schools, I felt it would be of great interest to listen in on the interpretations of leadership and what it meant to them to lead. You know, in today's climate with emotions being so heightened, who better to talk to about leading through emotional moments than a person responsible for the well-being of somebody's child? Enjoy. All right, welcome everybody. Uh, I am really, really, really excited for the guests that I have on the Getting Humans podcast today. Um, I think collectively they've got probably close to about 100 years of uh, leadership experience from a headmaster's perspective. Um, you know, from, from from Richard, who has you know takes uh, you know primary school uh, you know kids from seven years old through to to thirteen, and then Ron and Dion, who have you know who who were high school headmasters, well as much as is my experience of them were, uh, and just a little bit of context is that. Uh, Ron Brown, who was the headmaster of Trinity House at the time, was actually my headmaster as a student and scholar. Um, Dion Fisser, who was the then headmaster at Maragon, was my was a was my boss uh, as I was an employee of the school. And then Richard Neves, who was the headmaster of Durban Prep uh, for many many years, has uh, become a friend and colleague through a mutual friend of ours who we did a bit of work with uh, within a company. So. You know, guys, I, I really appreciate you all spending the time with me. And I, the reason I think that I got thinking about your guys' profiles was was really, I guess, a mixture between the fact that, you know, our first experiences of leadership, as it were, is is you know a lot of us as as people will remember our headmasters as the first, you know, or a teacher or a, a sports master as, as to these people who have massive influences on us as people. Um, and I felt that. You know, also that, so so that being the first in terms of experiences of leadership and the fact that you guys in your jobs needed to not just lead your staff is in terms of your employees, but then you also needed to lead. You, you know, you needed to lead scholars, and then you also needed to lead your customers. Basically, I would imagine if you looked at your parent base as your customer, you you, you needed to lead them too. Um, and so so that was the one piece. The other was the fact that you know we are living in a time of heightened emotion. And if I had to think of a job that has to deal with emotion more than anything, it probably was yours. Um, you know, as, you know, in terms of I, I can remember some of my, I guess, fondest and not fondest moments of, of somebody who was in education for a short piece of my life. The the dealing with highly emotive scholars, parents, and teachers, which was a, a, a large portion of your life. And if you can imagine what the modern day corporate leader is going through at the moment with employees that are just at heightened states of emotion, uh, you know, all the time. So, so I think that that's, you know, was, was the thinking behind bringing you guys into a conversation. Um, and as suggested to all of you, you know, there really are no rules. You know, I, I, I'm so intrigued to, to listen to the wisdom and to listen to the experiences of what you guys have had to go through uh, in your careers. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that all three of you now are now sitting, are, are sitting 
you know, quite, you know, ho hopefully in, in some way, shape or form retired and away from the, the strain of having to lead schools. So I'm going to start off with um, I'm going to start off with Ron as as obviously in just just in chronological chronological order in terms of my life. So Ron, just remember that I have got you on mute, and so I do apologize just for the feedback that there is there. So Ron, I I wanted to just start off with with what your thoughts are as to what do you how would you define leadership, and how would you define like what it means in 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 the context of what you did as the head of a school, you know, and, and the head of a of an organization. So just remember to unmute uh, there just, just before you, you get talking into a mute. Thanks. Right. How does that sound? Perfect. Um, I think leadership leads to you making people want to hear what you have to say. They want to follow you. If you present good leadership, if you present poor leadership, they don't want to follow you, they don't want to do what you say. And Ron, just in terms of your role, I mean, so your role as a leader within, uh, you know, at, at Trinity, which was obviously my experience, um, what did you think the, 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 your role was, I mean, as a leader? So obviously, like you said, the definition was to get people to want to listen to you, but what did you feel that your role was? I mean, what did it mean to be a leader, uh, you know, of people? Yeah, I, I was a leader in various different capacities before Trinity. Uh, vice principal of a school, principal of a government school, inspector of education, director of education, each one having a different requirement, but needing to get people to listen to what I had to say and to do what I had to say. Uh, high school principal, listen to your staff, hear what they say, don't be dictative as to what on how things are, are done. Listen to the staff. They have good ideas. They at the coal face. They are nearer to the children than the headmaster. So, when you're planning a policy, listen to what the staff have to say. Listen to what the parents have to say. Listen to what the pupils have to say, and put it together. And they all think they're running the show. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. And I'm going to move. I'm just going to move on to to Dion. And so, so Dion, just from from your experiences, I mean, and and not just your experiences. I, I guess, like I said, it, the question really is, like, how would you define the role of leadership? Um, you know, what did you what did you view it as? You know, and 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 that and and as I say that I I think that often there's this misconception between like what it means to manage people versus to lead people. So, you know, what are your experiences in terms of you know the, the definitions of what it means to be a leader? I sort of agree with you absolutely about the difference between a manager and a leader. Uh, but but leader, leadership, in my opinion, is not a position. Um, it's a skill that you have to influence other people's thoughts and emotions and their actions. And I agree with Ron, you know, uh, the, the, the people that, that you work with, and I don't say they work for you, uh, and that is very important. It's always been an important thing in my life is that you actually value the people that work for you, that you become um, a servant leader, that you serve them, that you try and identify uh, the best in them, and then how you're going to channel those skills and those abilities that they have uh, with, within the environment that you're in. So 
to to identify and to be able to identify that potential to me is, is crucial. Uh, and then you know you got to also walk the talk if you, you know, as, as, as a leader, especially in a school environment. Uh, you know you got to have an integrity. You got to have a set of values. You become the uh, the person that holds holds the, the ethics of the school in your hand. Um, so the people will identify with that, and once the respect is there, um, and and you work with the people, uh, then I think you can do a pretty good and a successful job. That's great. And Dion, just one last thing, just to uh, just to ask one more thing, as to just as a follow on, how did you find the? The, the, the difference of leadership that was acquired between your stakeholders, like I said in, in my introduction, obviously your stakeholders were were your staff, obviously were the people, your employees, basically, you you had to lead a bunch of, of scholars who, uh, you know, I'm not too sure from a stakeholder perspective what they might be in a corporate organization, you know, maybe you're, you know, but, but then you've also got your customer who are your parents. I mean, how did you find the difference between what it meant to lead those three sort of subsets of uh, of people? It, there was a big difference, you know, because I also was also from sort of a, of a public school, government school, uh, and, and there's a huge difference between that and an independent or private school. Um, your demands from your parent body because they pay the high school fees uh, is, is extremely different, different, and more demanding in the in a private environment. Um, but but again, you know, you you need to build relationships with with all those those three uh, um, those those three groups of people, you know, your students, your, your staff, and, and the parents. And, and you need to consult with those people. You cannot run a, any organization, in my opinion, as an autocrat, because you're involved with people. You've got to build relationships with those people and listen to them. And, and teaching and schooling is a, a very emotional environment. And our parents send their, their kids to school because they want, to, they want them to feel safe and secure and well looked after. And if they're in any any time during the school career feel that that is not the case, they will react. And you need to understand that and, and, and have compassion. And, and there's a difference between having compassion and empathy, but we can talk about that later. Okay, yeah. No, we, we will certainly get into the empathy piece. I think it's probably one of the the like very hotly debated subjects at the moment in terms of empathy and leadership. But let me move on to Richard. Um, Richard, from your perspective, I think, you know, how, how would you have how would you be defining the role of leadership in terms of what you did, um, you know, and, and, and the role that you, that, you know, the role in which you were responsible for as the head of your school? Oh, thanks. Interesting listening to, to Ron and, and Leon there, and I support everything they've said. I think, you know, to find a way as a leader to inspire people unite to believe in themselves and to believe in others uh, and and um, I was 42 year, years old when I became uh, head of the school and and but uh, predisposed I think to different sort of leadership uh, um, you know my friend Rob McCann who's a psychologist we were sitting in the duty room at the Durban Ski Boat Club and the boats had all left and gone out fishing and, and he put me through a battery of tests, psychosymmetric tests to kind of work out what my leadership style was and when he fed it back to me, I was shocked to learn what, what sort of 
you know, leader I was was heading towards. And 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 but it it really got me thinking and helped a heck of a lot because along the way we just you know with the process of going from being a government school. Uh, 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 Ron and Dion, we were a government school, and you'll know what that means. And 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 we now had to kind of, you know, self-direct. We had to we had to, you know, get a vision, share that vision, build bonds between everyone who represented the school community. So your staff, your teachers, your your your, your parents, and of course the children themselves, and 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 your old boys, everyone else. And we had to get this compelling kind of vision into place of what we were all working towards. And and uh, um, so getting people to believe in themselves, everyone in the school to see other people as having, you know, remarkable abilities and talents and capable of making wonderful contributions. And, you know, I, I think... Uh, um, for me, that was always very, very rewarding. Awesome. Uh, Richard, what you've, you've just sparked something uh, with me, and I think that we'll just continue with, with you in this sort of thought process, is that I, I've focused quite a lot in, you know, as, as you've started on, like, what your jobs were as leaders and what it meant to be, a, you know, and how you would have defined leadership. But it's it's quite interesting that, like, as you start talking about that, like, one of your biggest jobs was to then develop the next set of leaders, right? I mean, that was, you know, you, you know, whether that be within your staff, I mean, young staff who become more experienced staff and things like that. But I mean, at, at, its, at, at, its, at its core, you were taking young humans, you know, who, who were fairly fresh slates and then having to sort of create some sort of system within them that, that allowed them to lead. I mean, so Richard, how, how, how did you find that transition or the transfer uh, of leadership in in that space. I mean, have you got any examples or ideas of as, as like how you start that transfer? And I mean, you know, that's half the challenge is that if we can transfer the skills, we've won half the battle. You know, and so that you know how how you know how were you able to try and take the what it was to be a leader for yourself, but then how to transfer that onto like how to create a leader in somebody else? Sure. Yes, I I, I think you know we 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 wrestled with what a business model for the school was. And in the end, we had customers. I think Dion, Ron, you and I uh, uh, um, talk about the parents and these were customers and 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 uh, they had expectations. Uh, um, um, it was really, really important. I think we felt uh, very early on uh, as we set up our, our our brand our school brand and what we you know we're representing what we were aiming for that everyone in the school community anyone who was associated attached to the school had equal access to well almost every opportunity you know to lead or to be an integral part of the vision or the mission or the goals of the objectives uh, um, it, it was what I think Dion said, listening, and 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 Ron said, listening, collecting this information and and shaping it up. I mean, we went as far as having, you know, the, the children themselves. We didn't have prefects. We felt everyone. It was a 
it needed to be a leaderful school and, and the children need to experience leadership at every level, even the seven-year-olds, the eight-year-olds, right the way through to the 13-year-olds of the grade sevens. So we created families. We had uh, you know, the entire school divided up into families of six and seven boys each, and, and every family represented a boy from every grade. And uh, um, and we met once a month, and and it was conversation time. And quite often the conversation was actually led by one of the grade sevens, one of the, the age seven boys, or the, even the grade ones and six-year-olds would 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 lead the conversation. By you know, I think getting ideas to the forefront of your conversations. I mean, you can talk about events, you can talk about people, but talking about ideas it was really powerful. And, 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 and so we try to create, you know, conversations around ideas and thoughts and, and, and so forth. And that gradually the school evolved from that. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Richard. Um, Ron, I'm, I'm going to come back to you um, just with regards to, I mean, obviously there's a, there's, there's a nice transition here in terms of like what it now means to be developing leaders, right? So, you know, from, from your perspective, Ron, how did you find the, what were the things that you felt most important when trying to have an influence on like the creation of a young leader or, you know, a staff member or whatever it might be? I discovered that not everyone hankers after leadership, being a leader, and in fact are quite shy of it. With a school that developed from the bottom and grew upwards, we always had a small group at the oldest age. And when we were in grade 10, we decided to make each one a prefect or a leader for a term. I think we had about 27 pupils in that grade. And there were a half dozen or so who simply hated the job of prefect or leader. And there were others that rose to the occasion and were marvelous and helped others and did what we would want them to do. So not everyone is destined for leadership. Be careful of that. I think that's a, I think that's a great point, Ron. And, and so how would you... Uh, so, so as a challenge, right, so if, if I'm working with HR leaders uh, in organizations and, you know, the, the, the natural inclination of the sort of South African being is that if you're a, a top performer, you should be basically made leader, right? So the, the best player became the captain or the highest, the best seller becomes the sales manager and things like that. How, how would you try to, to avoid scenarios whereby you take the superstar out of the limelight to be a manager and then you've actually taken them away from their strengths? Um, you know, how, how are ways in which you were able to like make that person know that, that because they didn't become a leader, that doesn't make them a failure. It makes them, you know, it just, it, it, do you understand where I'm, where I'm going with that, with that question? Can I come in? I think so. Uh, giving them responsibility and then getting them to report back on the results of that uh, task made, gave them growth as leaders. So I guess, so, so I think that that, I think I've, I've yeah, so I mean, so there's, cause there's a difference, right? Because you don't have to lead 
with people, but you can lead with action, right? I mean, so that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to lead a group of people to be a leader. It means that you can take on tasks and deliver great things and, and lead in a, in a different way. Have, have, I, have I sort of correctly sort of understood you there? I think so, yes. Okay, wonderful. Dion, have you got anything to add, um, you know, just on, on that topic in terms of that, like, if, well, if not everybody is meant to be a leader, I then... Do, I, I, I do, I disagree with you, uh, not completely, but, uh, you know, I think when you start, when you want to identify leaders, number one, you've got to acknowledge the fact that they're individual and you've got to respect them for who they are. Uh, but what's important is that everybody in their life span will be a leader in a different situation. Whether you're the father of the house, or you're the captain of a team, or whatever the case might be. Uh, so, and and so some people are just naturally outgoing, and 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 usually those people will catch the limelight. Uh, but I I firmly believe, and I've seen very quiet people and introverted people that that are amazing leaders. Uh, I you as 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 the as the teacher, as the coach, as whatever you want to call yourself, you need to identify and acknowledge uh, the strong aspects of every single individual. And it, it depends what the situation and the environment is in. And that is where you come and if you can discern which person will fit into that specific situation the best, then you will be successful to identify the right person and then to develop them. And I also believe that when you develop them, you don't stick them in a room and you give them a lecture. You, you choose the moment. You choose. That's why you've got to be in the trenches as a, as, as a leader. You've got to see where things happen. And if they make mistakes in a certain situation, this applies to everybody, to your teachers and, and your students. That's when you touch them the best. So it becomes personalized and customized instruction, if you like, because it's for that specific individual. You don't just have to put them through a set of lectures to say this is what leaders look like. So, Dion, I'm quite interested just in your take there, and I'll come to you in a moment, Richard. But Dion, what's what's interesting is you've you've obviously also having left education now, and 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 you know I know that you're involved in a in a more corporate environment now as well. I mean, do you see, you know, from a from a a more, a more business or corporate perspective? Uh, the, the the mistakes that we potentially make in in those ways in terms of like how we develop the leaders and develop the opportunities for the people within our organizations i mean have you got any experiences where like your experience from the education piece of this has really been a massive help um you know in in the organization itself um absolutely you know it, it's and i think ron can maybe also come in here because you know we we both work for a corporate environment Within the teaching environment, uh, and 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 their values and their and their expectations are completely different. Um, so and and I see that where I am now uh, too. You know, although it's not a massive environment, it's a smallish environment. Awesome. So I think, Diana, I, I do agree with you. So so I think maybe where I was uh, where where I didn't get it quite right in terms of the language that I used is that you know. One of the big things that we are trying to push into our clients and our corporates is that the fact is, is that like leadership is a skill that can be teached and that there's you know a capability within everybody. It's you know it's kind of like well we've all mostly been born with with the capability of running, 
You know, I, I might not be as, as capable as Usain Bolt, but if I practice, I get better. You know, and if I learn new things about running, I'll get faster, for instance. And so, you know, that's kind of, you know, and, and I think that what, where you've talked about that is that, that it's the opportunities in which people need to develop in those types of areas that is, is sometimes lost in, in the corporates. And that's kind of the message we're trying to get across to guys is that this leadership vacuum that everybody's talking about is not a vacuum of ability. It's a vacuum of, 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 of teaching and, 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 and skills development. So, you know, I think that that's, yeah, I, I totally agree with, with, with your point. Um, Richard, I just want to move to you. Um, just you know, and I'm going to kind of just keep moving around the circle as I see it on my screen. But you know, Richard, your thoughts there in terms of the the ability to to, to really develop. And I mean, I, it came out quite strongly as you spoke about the six year old who was able to lead a conversation with a group of boys that ranged from six to thirteen. You know, how, you know, how critical do you feel that 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 just opportunity to practice is? I I, I think it's enormously important i think it's the most significant if a corporate really wants you know their organization their whole strategy people's strategy uh, um, their business to thrive they simply have to believe and and i you know would put it this way that that as a leader you need to be mindful that every every interaction, even if it's minuscule, every shared moment where there is recognition, mutual recognition, where you look at someone, a child or a parent or a teacher, and there's respect for that person as someone capable of wonderful ideas and where there's respect for that person and their kindness or their empathy or their compassion. Every one of those moments is 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 um, a massive advantage, you know, to to move the numbers and the value of your organisation in the right direction. So you you you've got to see everyone as capable of making uh, a really big difference, and 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 all those given moments during the working day, it's really important, I think, for a leader to to. To understand that there are people, uh, whether they're children in a school, or staff, teachers, and even parents, that, that they're doing something to make an invaluable difference to your school or your organization. And probably, probably far greater than you are doing, that is me, the leader, or, you know, that we could ever have anticipated. And, and that's the truth. That's what I've learned, that there was stuff happening that, that, that I could never have imagined, but it happened, and people made it happen, children made it happen, and that's what made our school, I think, a happy, successful school. That's great. And, and Richard, I know that you've also moved and done some work into corporates as well. Um, and the, the question I want to ask is, you know, as educators – um, and I and I and I speak for myself because I you know I, I really as much as I wasn't necessarily in a classroom for a lot of it I did feel you know as part of the system I was in the education you know I was in the educator piece um, you know there's that thing around like well your your job is to develop people right so that was your job was to develop these young people into the best that they could be 
Yes. How, how or why do you think that that changes so significantly when you become a manager of a team in, in, a, in a corporate? I mean, you know, and, and what are the experiences that you've seen, you know, as to like sort of the expectations of these managers and leaders versus like, you know, like why would it change? Like, why do you think there's this shift as you leave or, or why would there be a shift as to like what is expected of a, an educator developing people versus a manager meant to be developing a team? I mean, wh why do you think we get it so wrong? Sean, you know, we see it in schools, we see it in organisations, but I think where 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 there isn't an authentic bond or sense of, you know, I'm in a team with people who want me to succeed, who want me, you know, to feel a degree of happiness. Uh, uh, and a degree of success working together and, uh, you know, trying to cross the trial line, trying to get over the goal line, trying to do whatever you're trying to do. But if that bond, those bond, are not, and, and it needs to be emotional, there needs to be some emotional bond to build the trust. And, and unless that trust is there, that unless you as a leader or leaders or managers genuinely authentically trust people in their organization and they will make mistakes and they'll make big mistakes uh, um you know if they make the mistake twice in a row clearly it becomes a much more serious issue but people will make mistakes first time up and uh, uh but keep trusting keep believing and and I'm sure these corporates could become a lot more dynamic. They they could grow themselves. They they would find you know the energy, the resolve, the 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 the, um, the harmony, whatever it takes to 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 become a place where people grow and their business grows and becomes successful. Great, thanks, Richard. I think. Um, I want to make a, a little bit of a shift. I mean, we've talked about obviously the the development of leadership and and the the roles in which leaders play and things like that. And that that's all. I, I think that's the one piece of this. Then there's the other side, which is then now in these positions of leadership. And 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 like I said earlier, we we really do live in a time where emotion is is rough. You know, like heightened senses of anxiety and heightened senses of unsurety and uncertainty and all these sorts of things, you know, that we, we really are living in a tough space. The, you know, you guys in your roles would have probably had to have dealt with this more than most. You know, I, you know, the irate parent or the irate, uh, you know, other staff from another team because the ref this or whatever it might be. And I mean, you know, kids and your people and their children have an amazing ability to bring out the best and worst uh, in each other. That is something that I learned pretty quickly. Um, Ron, what would what would you say are, are things that you learned in terms of dealing with highly emotional situations? What are the things that you would be as, you know, lessons that you learned that would be able to be transferred, you know, and, and like I say that, like I say that because, you know, a lot of my clients, the big deal here is, or the big issues are trying to deal with a very emotional customer. You know, it's, it's not just your people, it's your customer now too. So you, you, you're dealing with people who are like have these high states of emotion. And so, um, you know, Ron, what are your thoughts just in terms of the, um, you know, dealing with emotions and leading people through emotion? I just want to remind you that you are on mute there just as a. Yeah, uh, I think it was always 
destined to, to be dealing with people that are irate. Pupils that get very angry with teachers, with me. Pupils, staff members that get angry, sometimes with good reason. But each time one has to let them talk it out. When I had an irate parent, I'd let them sit down, I'd say, what's the problem? And then I would shut up until they had absolutely nothing more to say. Then I would chip in and give my opinion. And usually by that time, having let off all the steam, the parent, the child, the teacher was happy to listen to me. I so agree that there's a difference between uh, leadership for a child in school and leadership in a corporate business. I think a corporate business has profit as one of the goals, and that sometimes comes at the cost of the staff member. We were a corporate to start with. Unity House was owned by six people, and they didn't take any money out of the business for six years. And People understood that and people appreciated that. And the development of the building and facilities was important to them. I found that I achieved most by being present at all or most activities of the school. When we put on a play, I would sit in the, in the hall as a member of an imaginary audience and listen to the play. And then I would go and congratulate the staff member on what they had achieved and congratulate the pupils on their leadership and their performance. The same applied to rugby, cricket, netball. Go and watch them practice. I watched them in league games as well, but the practice let me talk to them, let me give them my opinion and to encourage them. You know, the, the, you've made a really interesting point there, Ron, just with regards to presence. You know, there's, you know, there's all these things about being mindful and being in the moment, but it's, it's so interesting that like just your presence as a leader as, as to how important that makes people feel. Um, you know, that, 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 you know, how, I'm just trying to think of a, of a, of a way to, to, to word the question, but I mean, you know, how would you make yourself present in a way that doesn't make somebody feel that you're watching over their shoulder? I mean, do, do you understand the dynamic of that as to whether that sometimes might be misconstrued as like he's watching me rather than like he's just there because he's he's invested in me? The fact that I gave positive feedback after every episode of me watching them helped and it, it encouraged the staff and it encouraged the, the pupils, the sports people, the actors. I don't think I can recall a bad episode of after visiting an activity. Okay, and I, and I think we've probably, um, you know, just as a as, as a as a as a bit of a laugh. I, I'm 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 so interested as to how many hours my mother would have had to have chewed your ear off uh, with the, <laughs> the shenanigans of my of my existence in the school as I as I, I made many mistakes of which I think your advice to my mom was that he makes lots of mistakes but very seldom the same mistake twice. So you know, it's a, it's a fun it's a fun memory. Um, Dion, I'm going to move I'm going to move across to you just in terms of the challenges that are within 
the emotion, you know, you know, leading through moments that have, have, have high, high, high states of emotion and things like that. I mean, anything from your perspective as to sort of things that, you know, you wish that you'd known when you were younger or things that somebody who, who is like myself, who is in a young organization and, you know, we, we, we feel the pressures of life and, you know, all these sorts of things. And But you, you, you've still got to go through these moments that have just these high, high, high pieces of pressure as almost as if the, the gauge wants to burst. I mean, what are the things that you developed within your career that really helped you understand the moment, um, you know, when dealing in those sort of high pressure moments? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, as, as a young younger deputy and, and a youngest principal, I reacted very differently to IRA parents. Um, but I have learned, and I agree with Ron, you know, when a parent comes to see you, they're upset about their child, whether it's a valid reason or not a valid reason. And, and one thing you must never do is to take it personally. Uh, you know, you've got to be humble. You've got to sit back and listen to that parent because that parent is hurting for whatever reason. And you are there uh, and of that, of that environment and that school to take care of that child. And, and that is extremely important that you give that, that person, whether it's a mother, a father, or a child, the opportunity to, to say why they're upset. And then together try and solve, solve the problem. There, there, there seems to be a, a trend, and you know, as as you gents have have moved into all these conversations, like I, I, I've I've tried to note down how many times you've said it, but the the fact is is that the you guys have have mentioned the word listening and consulting into you know probably fifteen or twenty times already, and we've only been on the call for thirty minutes. You know, it's a it's a it's it's, it's certainly something that is coming up as something in which almost every situation, whether that was to lead with confidence or whatever, you know, leading people, leading staff, leading through emotions. It's amazing how many times listening has 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 come out as a as a part of the of the advice or the solution, that's for sure. Yeah, and I just want to add one more thing, Sean. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it's it's always been my my mission at in, in any school environment where I was where I was the head is is to create a, a family environment to to in the sense where we care for each other, you have each other's backs, uh, um, and and by doing that, and, and I think I've achieved that in, in most cases, it creates just that a family environment. So it also reduces the 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 number of, of cases where incidents where parents really get very irate because they know they can come to you and you know and they know that you will care and you know that you will listen. Uh, so it changes the whole mood and atmosphere completely. And do you think that that Dion is a is a principle that is as easily maybe potentially followed in a in a more profit driven environment? I mean, do you, do you would you would you believe that that is a a principle that uh, or a methodology that you'd be able to successfully push in those environments too? Without a doubt, I absolutely believe that. And there are people, and there are many cases you can read all the books there people, owners, businesses, multimillionaires have done just that, whether they've treated their, 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 their employees like their family members and cared for them. Uh, and I absolutely believe that and if, if, if the corporate stop, stop just focusing on the bottom line and look after their people, the bottom line will speak for itself. 
Awesome. And, and Richard, anything any, to join or, or to add to add on to the emotion piece, Richard? I think, you know, like, Leon, I, I'm, yeah. yeah Ron, and, Ron and Dion have, have, have said it all. I think, you know, organizations, schools, businesses, my, my view is that they need to heal themselves. They need to build their uh, uh, resilience, their resistance, their immunity before these events. And, and, and I'm saying that you can become an organization, a school, a business that's resistant to conflict by being very open with your people, telling them as much as you possibly can, as often as you can, sharing disappointments, sharing success, talking to people, uh, 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 you know, about aspirations, inspiring them. Uh, it, it, the healing is, is something, it's, it's the difference, I think, between being reactive and responsive. And Ron and Dion are talking about, you know, responding to people and, 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 and listening to them. And, and, uh, um, but if you build positive emotions, through you know trust empathy or compassion whatever it is you you you'll find and i was able to say to parents where these conflicts where parents would come in and like were very very upset about something that might have happened and i you know i had in the end of course we all carry prejudice fear anxiety and we come along and we sit down in front of the you know and we, we, we these come to the forefront of our minds, but I would say to them, well, if we talk about this, in the end, what's in it for your son? What's in it for your child? What, what does it mean to your child? And people seem then to be able uh, to, you know, to get rid of some of their prejudice or their fear, their anxieties and all the rest of it. And because when you actually talk about the child, what might intrinsically mean to that child and his, his or her ability to move forward with his life at school, they suddenly become a lot more cognitive, more rational. They, they, they kind of said, yeah, let's talk about what this means and I found that worked really really well I don't see why you know corporates business can't do that talk about what it means you know to the other person what it means to you what it means to, and and uh, yeah so I like what uh, uh, Ron and Leon said very very much yeah I think Richard I, I totally agree with you and this is where I think that we're trying to make this big the biggest connection right and and i think here is is is, is why i'm trying to figure this out i mean this is I mean, this is why i was so interested to have this discussion with you guys was that like you know if if our greatest goal as somebody is developing i mean just because they're scholars or school children you know that's a piece of your development but as i understand this in life you continually develop until the day that you die, you know, so there's a, so, so why would we see the leading or developing of people any differently in a corporate or in a business as to when they were scholars, you know, our roles, you know, are, are, are to, to make people better, right? And if you, I, I can't remember who said it, I think it was you, Richard, who said that, you know, if you develop your people, your business, in fact, I think it might have been Dion in terms of the, if you develop 
your people, your bottom line will sort itself out. You know, it, it, it's a result of a process rather than just focusing in on a result. Um, you know, it's a, and, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, and I think if, if, if any of you guys have got an opinion on it, like, I mean, what would, why would you think the reason uh, we would change? Like, why, why as we become adults, would we be scared of this thing that, that of being developed or why would we be, why would our egos get in the way of thinking that like, we need to be teaching people or, or, or educating people and growing people and caring for me, you know, caring for people, you know, it's a, it's, it's, I'm at a bit of a loss in terms of like why we would think it would be any different, you know, from when I'm growing up and after university and started in my job versus when I was 13 years old and, 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 and was in just as big a state of, of, of development. Um, any yeah. thoughts or any, anybody got something yeah. on, the, on, on that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I, I think the, fo the focus is very different from a, from a school environment as opposed to a corporate environment. Corporate environment is about money and it's about the bottom line. And, and that is, and it's all about how success is measured. Um, and that they measure success, as I said, uh, about the profit they make. And everything is driven. Everything is driven by that. Uh, and, 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 and in most cases, the well-being of the employees are often just totally ignored. Because there's another one out there waiting to come and take your place if you can't do the job. That sort of attitude. And, and, and that, to me, is why a lot of businesses have gone under. A lot of the businesses have succeeded and survived during this lockdown period because the owners or the managers treated their staff like their own family. Ron, anything from your side in, in that particular, uh, I guess, top, topic or bracket? Sorry, you are on mute. I, I do keep muting you just for the background noise. I agree with uh, what was just said. Uh, as an aside, I want to tell you about a family that I had at the school. Father was a preacher, and they had two sons. And uh, the older one was very naughty. I wouldn't say evil, but just naughty. For example, at a school dance, he held another child up so that he could punch holes in the ceiling. When I <laughs> confronted the parents with this, they were most helpful, and they agreed with the punishment that we were going to give this child. Good parenting, and I told them that. The other son was a different kettle of fish altogether. He was very self-opinionated, he was rough, he was always in trouble physically hurting other people. The, the end came when he assaulted a girl just randomly. He wasn't even talking to her when he went up and hit her. And at that stage, I said to the parents, can't, can't manage this anymore. Please take him to another school. Interestingly enough, he was in grade 11 near the beginning of the year. And he went off and he did matric him and grade 11 in one year. So he actually matriculated a year ahead of when he would have if he stayed with us. And then some years later, he popped his head into my office. He kept the body out, but just the head and shoulders stuck in. And he said, hello, sir. I'm just telling you I've registered my daughter in this school. Just remember, she's only got half of my DNA. <laughs> And he was a successful parent. 
having been a, a semi-successful pupil, discipline-wise, very successful academically. Taught me a lesson. Don't write anyone off. Yeah, I think that that's a big one, right? And I think that goes almost to where you uh, where you were talking, Dion, in terms of like what the drivers are, right? Is that like you are quick, we are quick to people or quick to write people off when the driver is a bottom line, you know? And, uh, you know, there's yeah. been, so, you know, there's been a, a, a lot of research of late around the, the, the how we drive almost like a quarterly or monthly or you know annual profit but yet we are we we live in this eternal sort of game you know we, we we're all driven by these like sort of road marks or these speed bumps that that, that are called a, a an annual you know your, your sort of annual year or yeah. whatever your financial yeah. year end but yet we have to continue the day after the financial year end as well so you know it's 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 you know, we, and then because of that, we, we, we are very quick to write off people with so much potential. And it's about trying to, un, you know, really understand that potential. But what do we do? What do we do as leaders where we feel that the, the, the environment is not right for that potential? And that maybe goes to that's the same story that Ron spoke of was that in, in another environment, somebody thrived, but under in yours, you know, in my business, it just wasn't the right place. I mean, how do we how do we come to that sort of realization that the place is not the right place for a person or whatever it might be? I mean, because those are tough decisions because is that a failing as us in leadership that this is not the right place? Or are there just, you know, are there people where this is just not the right place for them and that they'd be better off in better environments or different environments? Um, Richard, yeah. I'll, I'll start with you, uh, Richard. Sorry, Sean, did, did, are you saying if you have uh, um, someone, a teacher or a staff member, who is just by the way they behave or react or create divides that that you've got to move them on. What are you saying, Sean? Yes, yeah. So I mean, so what you know, is it a failing of leadership that that there are some people that you know we would you know this whole thing is about being development and we can you know find the best out of people and whatever it might be. But what happens? You know, what, what do we do? What are the lessons that you learn where, where, where sometimes there's not much that you can do, um, you know, in terms of, of leading people out of a potential situation or leading them into a better scenario, whatever it might be. So, you know, are there, are there situations where the, you know, the, this person just needs to be fired? I'm, you know, like I said, I'm trying to tie it back to, to obviously the, the, the link between your guys' experience and like what my clients are feeling like in terms of their sort of more corporate environments. But I mean, are, are there people that are just not fixable? Are there people who are not teachable? Is, 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 that, a, is that a possibility? I think, uh, Sean, that you know, my experience has been that and uh, if, if you have, you know, folk who can't talk about ideas, can't um, help, you know, people around them to 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 grow and develop and 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 you know make a bigger and better and stronger contribution to the school or the organisation. People who are you know full of prejudice and 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 people who are you know selfish or egotistical and are doing it because they're trying to. In the end, maybe they're just bullies. I, I, I think you've got to get rid of bullies. I, 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 I heard, you know, people talk about their schools and now we've got a lot of bullying and we've got a lot of bullying. 
and and when I get down to talking to them about you know where's the bullying coming from, there are staff members who are bullies and they're bullying other staff members and they're bullying children and the children see this as you know well I can see that these people seem to have a kind of they create a bit of fear they other people are scared of them and 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 they seem to have some extraordinary power in the school and and the children start bullying each other and and when you get rid of those bullies the bullying factor goes down bullies have got to be got rid of they don't do anything for ideas at all and and in the end the prime goal has to be to talk about ideas better ways of doing things upping your economy of scales getting more from people fewer people and 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 uh, and it's all around ideas but if you get stuck talking about events and talking about people and, and all the rest of it and blaming him and blaming her and all the rest of it well you, your ideas are never going to be the platform that you operate with sure Sorry, Dion, did you want to add into that? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I mean, I've, I've had quite a, a number of cases where you would call four parents in, or even staff members for that matter, where they just don't fit into the environment. They don't embrace the values that you have at the school. Uh, and, and, and you've come to the end of a process or a road that you've walked with this individual, and they just don't fit. Uh, you know, so. That's when, and I have, in most cases, had you know success as far as that is concerned. But you will then move them on to another school, or you will find a friend down the road who's a principal at another school and move them on. Um, and the same with the staff member. You, they, if they don't fit in, then they must draw the leave or get fired. <laughs> Ron, and, and from your side, also any feelings on 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 whether there, there's the end of a road for somebody who who you feel like you can't help or you can't lead through change? It happens. There are people that just simply will not listen to you and will not do as the the rules dictate should be done. And when you've tried and done your best, then the answer is goodbye. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So, so guys, I think what I'm going to do is, is uh, just also to be cognizant of time, and we we, we try and keep this so that you know uh, the, the the people who listen to it have you know sort of have an understanding of how long we're going to be. Um, so, so I'm just, I'm going to come to a close. I just wanted to see if there were any things that have you know from your side that that didn't necessarily have a question attached to it, but potentially. Um, a thought that's popped up or something that you'd like to add as a, as a closing in terms of, you know, how you feel your experiences could have a positive influence on somebody who might listen in on this to go like, shucks, I can take that into my environment. I can take that on. So, so Ron, from your side, anything that you'd like to yes. just close off on? Yes, thank you. Uh, to an extent, bureaucracy rife in the government schools, which are governed by a bureaucracy, but it happens in private schools as well. There's that little group of people that dictate what's going to happen. And if you get someone on that group of people who's a dwarfstracker, it's the only word I can think of it in English, it would be someone who pulls against the, the flow. These people are usually jealous of you, of teachers, 
of certain pupils, jealousy is something we need to watch. Uh -huh. And loneliness on the part of the leader. As a principal, everybody was very polite. When they came to watch the rugby or the netball, they would come and say hello to me, but they would move down the stairs and sit with somebody else. The headmaster's position is a lonely position. You have to know how to manage it. You have to work on it. That's a, yeah, thank you, Ron. That's a really, really interesting piece. I think that the, 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 it's lonely at the top. It, you know, it's lonely at the top really does come to mind in terms of like when you are sitting as a leader and then, you know, encouraging the conversation between the people that are in your organization. So thank you for that. Dion, anything from your side as, 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 as closing thoughts or things that have popped into your head or things that you feel would be of, 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 of use to anybody who, who, who may listen in on this? I mean, I think that I've got an audience of about 14 at the moment. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, just just a few points. First of all, you know, my my philosophy has always been to be a servant leader. Um, you know, I've served served the people that that I work with, uh, and and a good leader is a teacher. You know, so as I said earlier on, you you gotta influence other people. And for me, my goal and mission was always to develop the people around me to be better than I am. So. To be better leaders than I am, and 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 in many cases I have succeeded, and, and that that has always been my goal. Awesome, thanks, Dion. And and Richard, from your your just as closing thoughts, things that have come to mind, or things that you'd you'd yeah that 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 you feel that might be have just helped the people as they go through what is well, in my lifetime easily the toughest toughest period. Yeah, I think where people get to talk to each other um, um, and feel safe doing so. I mean, I think had some success with just storytelling, putting people into groups in a corporate, just getting them to talk to each other. People, you know, from seven, eight, I don't know, maybe as many as 10 different departments who very, very seldom uh, got to talk to each other uh, uh, or to, to, you know, authentically look at each other with, I know you, you know me, happy to see you look, uh, uh, um, that if people can be brave enough to, to you know, put out their, their vulnerability, their frailty, their fears, you know, tell a story or two about who they are, it very quickly you know, it happens that everyone starts to appreciate just how remarkable the lives of people in their organization really have been, what experiences they've, you know, uh, uh, they've had and, and successfully met those challenges or failed to meet them. But I think vulnerability, if you want to create bonds, emotional bonds, positive emotional bonds in an organization, you know, that there's got to be respect for the frailty of people, the vulnerability, their fears, their anxieties, and and uh, and that's what makes us human, and, and that's what makes us happy working together is when that, that, that respect is there. 
at a at a very very fundamental emotional level but it it's it's good and positive absolutely yeah great thank you richard i think yeah thank you all three of you i um you know it, it's been an absolute privilege for me to have all three of you who have had you know significant impacts uh, you know just from a personal perspective but i think importantly i think that the impact that the three of you have had on the I, I wish I could probably guess as to how many tens of thousands of people you've influenced. I mean, it would be remarkable to 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 try and figure out some sort of maths. I'm, I was never very good at maths, so it wouldn't be me to do it. But uh, I think the yeah the three of you are, are have been really 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 interesting to listen to. I'm I'm really gonna be I'm gonna try my best to try and push this out to you know a, a, an audience of people who I think will be interested to listen to you because, like I said, I think that your first influence or your first perception of leadership are guys like you and so i thank you for, for 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 the time that you spent with me i also thank you for the years and years and years of service that you gave to the developing of people and i think that that's the you know that's the bottom line is that your your guys greatest goal was to try and create great people and i have no doubt that you've had uh, yeah there are too many success stories to 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 talk of so thank you all yeah thank you all for your time thank you for being here um and and yeah let's let's hope that we can we can do this again Thank you, oh, Sean. Thanks, sir. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Ron. Bye, thanks, Ron. Great. Cheers, Ron. Very well, guys. Right. Thank you, Ron. Stay Thank well, you very everyone. much, guys. Yep. We'll catch you all soon. I'll, I'll send you guys the link when I've when I've produced thanks. this all. So thank you very much. Thanks again. Thank Cheers, bye. Cheers, bye. guys. Bye, bye. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please feel free to get in touch with us via any of our channels. Hello at humanitysa.ca.za or our website www.humanitysa.ca.za or any of our social media platforms via LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. See you soon.